The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA. So, we got a season coming, people. Preseason's already starting. The NBA's back. We got some basketball on the horizon. Christmas Day basketball is also back. And obviously, we're all hyped. I mean, there's no other way to put it. We're just, we're all excited. It's going to be a great season. Hopefully, COVID and everything doesn't get too much in the way. And I just want to say to everyone out there, my prayers and thoughts go out to everybody who has suffered through COVID and have uh, even lost loved ones through COVID. We've also seen people in the NBA who have lost uh, loved ones as well. So just wanted to give a a quick uh, prayers up for everybody out there who has to go through that. Um, but we have a Western Conference preview to get going here. So... Without further ado, let's jump in to the Western Conference. So, last we're going to start with we're going to break it down division by division and then we'll go over like who's going to be, you know, the top seeds for each um uh, well, who will get each seed in the Western Conference playoffs. But right now we will start with the North West Division. Last year's standings, we had the Nuggets in first, then the Thunder in second, the Jazz in third, the Blazers in fourth, and the Timberwolves in last. We had four of those five teams in that division in the playoffs. And now, this year, there's been a good amount of movement in the division. Uh, The Nuggets moved around some people. The Blazers had added some people. The Timberwolves had a very good draft, yet they didn't really add, you know, big, big named free agents or anything like that. Um, And then the Thunder traded away a lot of people. I think that that's... uh, Oh, and the Jazz pretty much stayed still. So I'm going to start off by saying how I think the standings are going to shake out for next season, and then we'll break it down a little bit. So I have next season the standings as Nuggets uh, repeating as division champ, the Blazers in second, the Jazz in third, the Timberwolves in fourth, and the Thunder in fifth. Now, let's start with the Thunder down there in last. So I don't think this should come as a surprise to anybody. I think that it's pretty obvious what the Thunder are getting into with their rebuild and everything. And I think that um, we all know how it's going to shake out for this team. They were surprising a lot of people when they had Chris Paul and he was helping with the young guys and, you know, him meshing with the younger talent ended up being a very good, um, uh, a very good chemistry and a very good, uh, gelled team at the time. But obviously trading away Chris Paul, um, getting Kelly Obrey, but then trading him right away to Golden State, then trading away Steven Adams, um, 
you're obviously showing that it's time to rebuild. Your main person is going to be Gilgis Alexander. And you're going to, you know, take it from there with the, I mean, they, I think they have at least like 20 draft picks in the next two drafts. Uh, the amount of draft picks and, and assets they had is something that probably Sam Hinkie is like smiling about. He's like, that's how you do it right there. That's how you get it done. Um, <laughs> but so we obviously know the direction that the Thunder are going. It's no secret at this point. And I think that um, Presti did a great job in facilitating this whole um, rebuild ignition. Um, he really got like max value for a lot of the assets that he did trade away. I mean, he got a very, very good amount of value for Chris Paul. He also took the value from Chris Paul and got even more value from, from golden state. Uh, got a lot of, uh, not a lot, but some solid assets from trading away Steven Adams as well. And I think that when you look um, at everything they have coming in the next like three, four, even five seasons, as well as some of the young guys that are already there, there is definitely some cause for excitement in the future. But this coming season, probably not very exciting. Um, so moving up to fourth there, I had the Timberwolves. Now, the Timberwolves, I think, will have a pretty electric offense especially if anthony edwards turns out to be the guy that we all thought he's going to be but the major concern with the timberwolves is defense um we've all heard the criticisms of carl anthony towns not being able to play defense that well uh nobody has really been praising d'angelo russell for his defense for good reason um so those being your two main guys and the rest of the team not exactly being a great defensive unit is cause for concern. Um, bringing Anthony Edwards in, another very, very highly talented offensive player who I don't think is going to thrive all that much on defense. Um, so this is what leads me to believe that they're only going to move up one spot. I because I really don't see them competing with the likes of the Jazz, Blazers, or Nuggets. Um, so I really only see them moving up one spot. They'll probably, you know, be a little under 500 and probably not even make the playoffs. I do want to see, you know, another, um, like a, a full year of how D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns will work out together. I want to see, you know, the development of Anthony Edwards, if he's going to be what we thought he's going to be or what we expect he's going to be. But again, th there's a lot of question marks there. I think the only non-question marks are the offense you're going to get from Anthony Towns and, or Towns and, um, Russell. I think those are the only two, like, for certain things you're going to get. They're, the rest of it is kind of, we're going to have to wait and see what exactly shakes out. Um, so, moving on from the Timberwolves, we'll head up to the Jazz. So, Utah really didn't do all that much this offseason. They re-signed some guys. They made a couple draft picks that were later, uh, second round, I believe. And... They uh, signed 
Mitchell to a max extension, which um, to nobody's surprise, I mean, Mitchell deserved the max extension. He is the number one guy on Utah, and he will be for years to come. They re-signed Clarkson, which was a good move. I don't know about giving him a whole lot of money, which he did get, because I feel as though it kind of limits your ability to make moves later on, especially with the fact that you still have Mike Conley, who's still on a max deal from when they uh, acquired him from the Grizzlies. Then, obviously, you still have Gobert there. They re-signed favors. The two guys they drafted, uh, if they do shake out, I think should be pretty good additions. They did add Elijah Hughes, a guard from Syracuse, and I'm going to butcher his name but Yudoka Azubuki from uh I forget where he I forget where he went to college but he's a seven foot um stretch the floor type of big man I think someone that you know can really be a good reserve big behind Gobert behind favors um which I assume is kind of why they drafted him since uh, a reserve big man is kind of what they needed the whole time, and they didn't go get that in free agency. So I'm assuming that's what they're thinking for um, in this in this draft selection. So yeah, I think that with Utah, it's going to be more of the same. I don't think they're a championship contender. I think they're a very good playoff team, but I don't think they're a serious championship contender. I don't see them beating teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets in the playoffs. I just don't see that happening they're going to be a solid team they're going to be a team that you know could beat anyone on any given night in the regular season I just don't see him beating a team four times in a seven game series so um kind of the same old same old in Utah I don't know I would be curious to see if like this season goes the same exact way if they don't find a new coach if they don't trade away Rudy Gobert like, because obviously, okay, you're getting into the playoffs. You are looked at as a solid team, but in the, especially in the West, you're just realistically not a championship contender. So what exactly is happening here? Like, what are you going to change to push yourself into that upper echelon? And I don't know personally, many Utah fans, I would be curious what Utah fans think if they did just continue this way. Because obviously it's not like, I mean, it's it's cool that your team is still able to win a lot. You're still able to make the playoffs, but I just feel as though you're not able to realistically say like, hey, we might win the championship this year. And if that's the case, then what's the point? of just competing to make the playoffs and not even like get past the first or even second round. But anyway, um, so I think this is a little bit of a surprise to people. I did put the Blazers in second. So I think they had a great off season. They filled a lot of holes. You know, they have their power forwards now in um, Covington and Mello as the backup. They re-signed Hood. They acquired Cantor to shore up their their front court. Zach Collins will probably be coming back off of injury and he gave I mean he gave them some very solid minutes in in his role. Uh a healthy Nurkic all year would be big for them as well. Um 
They signed Derek Jones Jr. I think that will help with their wing depth also. And of course, you still have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum there. So I think the Blazers are primed for a very good year as long as everyone stays healthy. I know that that's like the quintessential question mark of every season. Like any team should be good as long as they're healthy, except maybe like Detroit, the Knicks, the Kings, stuff like that. Um, But I I just feel as though this team, the way that they filled a lot of holes with the draft, or I mean with their offseason, they still also have a decent amount of younger players, and you still also have your superstar. I think that they can really make some noise. But again, I feel like this is a, another team that I don't take seriously as a championship contender because, yes, you have your superstar in Damian Lillard. I don't consider C.J. McCollum a superstar. Melo obviously has passed his superstar phase. Um, Nurkic is not a superstar big man. C.J. McCollum, I'd say, is the closest thing you get to a second superstar, but he's not. He's a... I'd say he's somewhere between a very good starter and a star player. He's like somewhere in between there. Um, he definitely shows a lot of flashes of star player um, potential, but we just don't see it consistently night in and night out to kind of lift, like lift the team to a championship level, uh, a championship contender level. So, but I do think that they will finish higher than Utah just because the depth of the team, um, Lillard, I mean, really coming every year with a even bigger mindset of kill, 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 win, win, win. Um, and just a, I feel like the team has a belief in each other that uh, some other teams just don't have. So then moving on to the uh, whoa, the Nuggets. Nuggets, yes. Their most notable losses were Jeremy Grant and um, Torrey Craig. They did add, through the draft, they added R.J. Hampton. And they added um, undrafted rookie Marcus Howard through a two-way contract. They re-signed Paul Millsap. They signed Jermichael Green, Isaiah Hartenstein. I think that the signing of Green and Hartenstein are both underrated. I think Hartenstein is a very good reserve big man that will give you solid minutes. I know he didn't play all that much for Houston, but obviously with their micro ball, like you, a big man weren't going to play much anyway. But uh, in his like 11 minutes a game, he had four points, four rebounds. You, you take that up to per 36. That's 14 points, 12 rebounds per 36. Um, so he's very efficient. He in the G League, he even put up like 25 and 14 at one point for over like 15 games until Houston brought him back up. So I think that he's an underrated signing in terms of a reserve role. Jamichael Green, I think, is Jeremy Grant, but on a budget Um, because Jeremy Grant just demanded a whole lot of money. And now he's going to Detroit to play for a team that's nowhere near the talent level of Denver. You still got Jokic. You still got Jamal Murray. 
Um, I think Gary Harris is going to have a better year than last year. Last year was like one of his worst years of his career. So I think this year is going to be much, much better. So I just think everything is on the up and up for this team. And with RJ Hampton, I feel as though he's somebody like a Bol Bol or a Michael Porter Jr. No, he didn't go through an injury, but he decided to go with the professional basketball route instead of college. And I think that he has such a potential to be a good player that uh, and and teams just passed on him for, you know, whatever it re- whatever reason it may be. But for me, the fact that Denver has been able to hit on on guys like Michael Porter Jr., uh, Bol Bol and some of these later round draft picks that have turned into big time contributors or or just very very good role players i think that um makes me believe that Marcus Howard even and RJ Hampton are probably going to turn out to be contributors for this team which would be big time because they're both young uh Porter Jr is young Bol Bol's young uh Jamal Murray's still uh like what barely past 25 um Jokic isn't isn't even old that like this whole team still has a very young core uh as well as a couple different vets and I think that you know to be at this level of talent that they're already at as well as to be young the the sky's the limit and I think that the Nuggets are going to be very very good this season so moving on to the Pacific Division I have the standings turning out to be Lakers first again. The Warriors in second. Yes, I said Warriors. The Clippers in third. The Suns in fourth. The Kings in fifth. Now, it's kind of depressing that, you know, the Suns, after making this big deal uh, to get Chris Paul, are only going to be fourth. But let me roll it back real quick. The Kings I have in last, I think that, it's probably like a wide, uh, a widespread prediction for a lot of people that the Kings are going to come in last because, if you ask me, they added a little bit in the draft. They did get Halliburton to go, you know, with De'Aaron Fox and and uh, their backcourt. They will have Bagley back, uh, but the team is just like De'Aaron Fox is an exciting player. It'll be interesting to see Halliburton. Bagley's an exciting player. Harrison Barnes is okay. But there's nothing to this team that's like what like what what about this team is going to make anybody believe that they're even a playoff contender? Especially when you're in a division with the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and now Suns that made that deal. So I mean, more of the same for Sacramento. But the Suns, I think, are going to be one of the most interesting teams after the offseason they had. And not just the offseason, but watching them go 8-0 in the bubble, watching that tear that uh, Devin Booker went on, then adding Chris Paul. Yes, they did get rid of Kelly Obre, who was like a big part of their offense last year. But the starting five of, I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, um, um, Mikal Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton, that's a pretty formidable starting five, especially in terms of defense on top of their offense. Because, okay, Devin Booker might not be the defender that everyone, you know, wants, 
But Aiton's a solid interior defender. Um, I mean, he could he could be better, but solid. Um, Bridges, a very, very good wing defender. Paul, a good point guard, shooting guard defender. Um, Cam Johnson, not terrible. So uh, there's definitely some reason for excitement for this team. The offense is speaks for itself. Um, you have Devin Booker, one of the best offensive talents in the league. You have Chris Paul, a distributor as well as a scorer. Um, Mikal Bridges, the 3 and D type of player who will get you those those big-time buckets, um, still athletic enough, too, to dunk on people. Cam Johnson, another another good shooter around them, and you got the inside threat in Aiton. I mean, there's a lot to be happy about for Phoenix. I think that Phoenix is going to have a big-time season, and it just sucks that they have to be in this division with so many other good teams. Otherwise, I feel like they'd probably finish maybe even second in one of the other divisions. Um then I have the Clippers in third. Now, they still have Kawhi and Paul George. Paul George just got a lot of money. Uh, if you earn yourself a contract by playing that bad in their like last series of the playoffs and then in Game 7, I feel like a lot of people should get paid. <laughs> a lot of people should get a lot of money if that's what you got to do. But... Let me digress. I mean, he did he did increase his his stats last season. Um, he did have a good playoffs up until they went up three uh, one. But I don't know. To me, I just feel like you have to get somebody other than Paul George to win a championship with the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi, I believe in. I mean, we had this whole, you know, that whole drama thing of Kawhi gets special treatment and all this kind of stuff. The biggest thing there, I, I don't remember if I said this in the last episode or not, but the biggest thing there is that why is Paul George getting that special treatment? What did Paul George do? Kawhi Leonard at least has championships, finals MVPs, was in MVP races. Like, Kawhi deserves all of the special treatment he gets. But what did Paul George do to deserve the special treatment? One like MVP caliber season for the Pacers and then the, the you know, being in the MVP talks of last season. But still hasn't won anything, still hasn't won an MVP. Uh, you know, yes, he's a star player. But if we're talking who deserves this special treatment, Kawhi or Paul George, we all know it's definitely Kawhi a whole lot more than Paul George. So, I think that's the bigger question. But the Clippers also lost to Michael Green and Harrell. I mean, Harrell was their sixth man of the year, or runner-up, I forget. Uh, sixth man of the year. Uh, Lou Williams is still there. So, you do still have a sixth man, but obviously Lou Williams is getting a little bit older. We don't know exactly what kind of consistency he's going to give you all the time. Oh, they also traded away uh, Landry Shamit. So, I don't know. There's just, the Clippers team to me is pretty much the same. Maybe a little bit not as good because they lost a couple solid contributors. So, we'll see. Plus, new coach. Doc Rivers isn't there. You now have Tyron Lue. 
I don't know. I just don't I don't have as much confidence as them in them as I once had. Um I had the Warriors in second. They got James Wiseman. They got Kelly Obre. Clay, unfortunately, going to miss another season with an injury. Um but the uh, see the big thing to me about Golden State with their down year last year, I think that they found their quality role players that they want to keep. People like Pascal. So the big thing to me is that you have Steph Curry coming back with like, you know, revenge on his mind. You have Draymond Green still. You bring in a rookie big man that, you know, is supposed to be one of the best rookie big men in a while. Kelly Obre, who has taken big strides in his growth. Andrew Wiggins, who constantly gets crapped on by every critic and every fan at every turn that they get. I mean, look, if you have Steph Curry coming back to even close to his MVP caliber of play, the floor is going to open up a hell of a lot more for Obre and Wiggins. I mean... That's part of the reason why Golden State was as good as they are, especially like before Kevin Durant, you know, uh, with the way Steph Curry was playing, that opened up the floor for Clay and Dre. When it was with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant opened up the floor for Steph and Clay. Sometimes Steph opened up the floor for for KD and Clay. Like that's the whole thing around this team is that they play such good team basketball and each player is so good on offense that you have to pick your poison. And when it comes down to it, if if Steph is playing like an MVP again, or even close to an MVP again, you're picking your poison as, okay, we probably should double-team Steph Curry and let the other guys beat us, but those guys aren't any, aren't any kind of slouches. Like, I'm not a fan of Wiggins, but if you give him an open court, open shot, open, you know, mid-range, whatever it is, He's going to hit it most likely. And now with Wiseman, I think that, you know, you give someone that can, um, I mean, athletically get up and down the floor that can do a plethora of different things on offense and defense and someone that can help Dre out and not have to make Dre like, you know, play every or play defense against every big man ever in every game. That's a big time thing. And as I said, you you found your really good role players on your bench to come in and, you know, continue what they were doing last season. So I I'm very high on Golden State, um, probably higher than other people, but it is what it is. And then first I have the Lakers. Um, again, I think this is another widespread prediction. Uh, it's LeBron. It's Anthony Davis. Um, you know, some people think they could coast a little bit, especially in the beginning of the season, because someone like LeBron might take a little bit of rest, uh, with some games or whatever it may be. But in the end, I just see the Lakers still being the Lakers, especially with the fact that they added Montrez Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> like, okay, they lost Danny Green. They still have KCP. Um, they did lose Dwight, uh, and they also lost, I think they lost JaVale McGee too, 
But in the end, those guys are replaceable players. It's not like you're losing, you know, like in comparison, I don't think the Clippers are really going to be able to replace Harrell, especially after the first year. And now the Lakers, the Lakers have the sixth man of the year and the runner up for sixth man of the year. Schroeder will probably start. And then you have Harrell coming in right after Anthony Davis and LeBron. Sometimes on the floor with both of them. Sometimes having a a lineup of like Schroeder, LeBron, uh, KCP, Harrell, and Anthony Davis. What? That is a crazy lineup. And I just think the Lakers are, are really going to take first in that division. I don't think it's going to be really all that difficult either. Um, so moving on to the Southwest division, the Southwest division has a whole lot of drama, mainly just because of Houston, but I have the division going Dallas in first Memphis in second, the Pelicans in third, the Rockets in fourth and the Spurs in fifth. It kind of hurts my soul to say the Spurs are going to finish last in their division because of how good the Spurs have been over all the years. Um, but I just can't help but think that the Spurs really aren't getting much better next year. I know Popovich is still there. I know I know how much of a basketball genius and savant Popovich is. I think that DeRozan, honestly, I feel like DeRozan will probably get moved around the trade deadline. Like, I feel as though DeRozan just... I just feel like, you know, at some point the Spurs are going to realize, like, okay it's time to really pack it in and and reload and rebuild and everything um so let's let's let DeRozan you know take his talent somewhere where they can be utilized more um so I just think that that's a guy that you try to trade away at the trade deadline and give it to a team who could maybe make a late push for playoffs or you know, might need someone if someone goes down with an injury, whatever it may be. Um, then I have the Rockets in fourth. Now, this is contingent on the fact that they trade James Harden. This whole thing with James Harden is crazy in the first place. He first says, I want to be traded to the Nets. Then I want to be traded to the Sixers. Okay, now we'll open it up to the Bucks in the Heat. Like, are you, obviously, you're only picking Eastern Conference teams. Obviously, you're only picking Eastern Conference playoff teams. Why? First off, I guess you're saying like, yo, I'm tired of the West. Maybe I'll do something in the East. Uh, that's what that comes off as to me. It's like, oh, I... Uh, can't be successful in the West. I don't want to be here in Houston. So let's go to an Eastern playoff team because, you know, the East is always notoriously easier to get through than the West. But the thing is, I feel like a lot of these teams are like, sure, we take James Harden, but we're not trading the whole farm for him. Like if you're Miami, you got a lot of good young talent. My, they were talking about Miami having to trade Tyler Hero for James Harden. If I'm Miami, I'm not trading Hero for Harden. 
Yes, Harden is one of the best offensive players we've seen in, in the league's history. I get it. I understand his talent. I understand all of it. I am not trading Hero for Harden because Hero, first off, he has not reached his potential. I don't think he's even close to reaching his potential yet. A hell of a lot younger. I mean, has already grown into like a Miami hometown, not really hometown, obviously, but hometown hero. No pun intended. Um, I don't I wouldn't trade him. I def if if that's what it takes, I would not trade Hero for him. I probably wouldn't trade Bam for him either. You're obviously not going to trade Butler because that just doesn't really make sense, especially when Butler came down there and kind of really brought together a lot of the team chemistry and really, you know, embraced the team as a whole. Um, I could see the Houston wanting like Duncan Robinson too, but that's your main shooter right there. If you have to trade all that stuff for James Harden, who, what is he, 30-31? I wouldn't do it, especially because to me, James Harden and Jimmy Butler does not beat the Lakers for you. We watched what it was like the Lakers facing the Heat in the in the finals. You're telling me just adding James Harden and trading away someone like Hero or Robinson or Bam or them is going to win the Heat the finals? I don't think it is. Especially when we have seen how notoriously unreliable Harden can be in the playoffs. Then you look at a team like the Sixers. I probably would stop like being a Sixers fan if if they traded for Harden, especially if they traded someone like Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Especially like obviously they're going to want either younger players, star players or good draft picks. But what I just don't see Harden. The only team I see Harden making a serious championship contender if they don't trade one of their two stars is Brooklyn. And it's been said, it's been reported that Brooklyn is only going to trade for Harden. Um, uh, uh, well, it said that Houston will only trade Harden to Brooklyn if Kyrie is in the deal. Now, that brings up something interesting because me personally... I probably would do that deal. I probably would trade Kyrie for Harden because Kyrie has been getting hurt, especially a lot lately. Boston, he was hurt a lot. He missed most of this whole first season with Brooklyn. Um, yes, he has a championship, so I understand he has championship experience, but KD, I would say, has more. And second off, KD is an MVP, a finals MVP. One of the best players, probably going down as one of the best players of all time. So, I mean, and has already played with Harden. So if you ask me, I probably would do the deal Kyrie for Harden. Does that make the team that much better? I think it does make them a little bit better just because you don't know how available Kyrie's going to be. Harden... I mean, you can say what you want about his type of offense, his defense, whatever. But he's notoriously healthy. He plays. He's on the court. You can't really say the same about Kyrie. I would do it. 
Harden with the Bucks, I think, is interesting. Him with Giannis, especially if you keep Drew Holiday, um, you probably I feel like you probably would have to trade Middleton. Um, but at that point, I'm nah, I I might do that. Um Harden with Giannis and Drew Holiday, I think, would be very, very interesting, especially because you know, you wouldn't be able to clog the lane as much because you'll have Harden and Drew out on the perimeter. Um, and, you know, Harden might drag some defenders his way, opening the lane up for Giannis and things like that. I think that's a very interesting team. And their defense was one of the better defenses in the league last year as well, um, in terms, like, speaking of Milwaukee, but... It just, I don't know, it wouldn't, I I just still don't know if that team beats the Lakers. It could just because you have Giannis to cover someone like Anthony Davis, but I, oh, I mean, then who guards LeBron? I guess you might put Brooke Lopez on Anthony Davis and then have Giannis guard LeBron. But if you're asking me for Anthony Davis, that's barbecue chicken every single time. So, yeah, there's still some questions. Um, but anyway, so that's why I have them at fourth. If they trade him, they're definitely going to be down at fourth. Um, especially because we don't know what John Wall's like. We don't know what kind of production uh, Cousins is going to give you. Um, the signing of Christian Wood was good uh, to get a younger big man in there as well. Um, yeah, so they're kind of a question mark and a wait-and-see kind of team. Uh, three, I have the Pelicans. I like the moves that the Pelicans made. Yes, they got rid of Drew Holiday. They do bring in Steven Adams. They bring in um, some more draft picks. They bring in, uh, you know, like another year of Zion and Lonzo, and they re-sign Brandon Ingram. I think that the team, the I think that the team is going to be better. You know, new coach, everything. Um, I think that the Pelicans finally do make the playoffs, and I think uh, they'll gel pretty well, to be honest with you. Then we have the Grizzlies in second. I feel like most people don't have the Grizzlies that high. But I like John Morant. I like Jaron Jackson. I like Brandon Clark. I like a lot of the young pieces to this team and I think that building off of the momentum from last season I think they'll do pretty well I'm probably one of the only people that really think this way that have them this high but I just have a gut feeling about the Grizzlies for some reason like it's not one of those things that I can really break down in into um, you know, science or analytics or anything. It's just a gut feeling that I think Memphis will do pretty well. And then, of course, Dallas in first. I think a big thing with Dallas is Porzingis' health. But you still got Luka. We saw what Luka did last season. I think he should be the favorite for MVP this season. So it's going to be a very solid year for Dallas. They did bring in Josh Richardson, who I think will fit very nicely alongside Luka Doncic. Um, and yeah, as long as Chris Stapps can stay healthy, I think that this team will definitely be a force in the West. So overall, Western playoffs. I have the Lakers with the first seed. I have the Nuggets with the second seed. Um, Dallas with the third. 
Warriors with the fourth, Clippers with the fifth. Then I have the Blazers with the sixth. Jazz with the seventh. And then I think the eighth seed comes down to... I did say the Pelicans were going to make the playoffs, but now that I break down the seeds like this, I'm not exactly sure. So I think that the eighth seed is going to come down. I think, yeah, eighth seed is going to come down to the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. And I think ultimately, I think ultimately the Suns will probably take that. I see the four teams in the Pacific making the playoffs, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have for the West. So that's it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files, the number one podcast on the number one division in the NBA. Make sure you check out basketballsocietyonline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.